Hello. QueerAF is now an independent community interest company. Our podcast's first four seasons were funded by National Student Pride, and so there might be some old calls to action in them. For the most up-to-date info on our podcast that funds budding LGBTQIA plus audio producers, visit wearequeeraf.com and sign up for our free weekly newsletter that sums up the LGBTQIA plus world and supports queer creatives kickstart their career. Enjoy the show. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I just wanted to be in gay land. And for me as a DJ, it was a vehicle for me to be able to play that East-West mix, which felt completely natural for me as a British-born Indian. Um, so I'm Alma. Uh, I'm Asakim. Um, we run a club net called Bati Mama. Because it's also about the diversity of blackness and queerness and what that can look like and feel like. Yeah, hip-hop and R&B and Dashman and a lot of 90s jams. Extremely sex and body positive. Coming in in their full-on leathers. Because of the lack of queer scene in York, I did go through a phase of being like, I need to move to a bigger city. This week on Hashtag Queer AF, we're exploring queer nightlife. I'm Jamie Ware. And with LGBT venues closing all over the UK, is queer nightlife at risk? Disabled access in York is so difficult. The bouncers are really homophobic. South Asian people in London like being denied entry to queer clubs. Or are we actually in the midst of a new revival where queer people are doing what they do best? using grassroots activism to make the events they want because no one else will make them for them. Ellie and I have been harassed in a so-called like LGBT-friendly bar. It's not about saying blackness is really cool and blackness is really sexy, so lots of white people should come and enjoy it. A little bit isolated, even within the lesbian and gay scene itself. Today, we're handing over to Amy Ashenden. She's the queer journalist behind the Queer Muslim Sex Worker documentary. You'll probably remember her from episode one of season two. And today, she'll be hearing from queer pioneers across the country setting up their own club nights, stretching from Yorkshire to London and even Wales. So what's the danger of not having representative nightlife? And what happens when events are run by the community they're not aimed at? Surya Tapa Mukherjee has set up an organisation called Glitter to tackle Cardiff's lack of events for queer people of colour. The idea grew out of frustration that bouncers often refuse entry to Asian people into gay clubs. We really have to question what do we think of when we think of queer people? You know, what what kind of person do we see? Um, because, you know, if you're saying that South Asian people don't look queer enough to get into a club, like... Like, how what, what, like how are they supposed to look? So, we know there are issues when it comes to queer nightlife not being inclusive enough. And the demand for club nights where all queer people are free to be themselves is nothing new. Someone who's been tackling this issue for over two decades now is DJ Ritu. She founded and runs Club Carly, a nightclub in North London aimed at a queer Asian audience. We created it to provide a safe community space for 
LGBTQ people, um, but with um, a foundation that was built on South Asian music predominantly. Having said that, um, we also play Kylie and Abba and... um, you know, everyone else that's under the sun. So Club Carly, in a sense, I guess, is quite unique in the fact that you've you've got um, queer audiences and Asian audiences and obviously queer Asian audiences. Yes. Um, what we're quite strict about is not just having any old South Asian audience there. Um, we're very, very specific about keeping the club as safe as possible and therefore that means it's a queer audience or definitely an, an LGBTQ audience. We keep straight people out as far as we're able to. I know you run some straight club nights. Um, Is that um, sort of for business needs and how do you kind of balance that with the need to keep safe spaces for queer audiences? It's been difficult balancing the two clubs, the straight one and the gay one. Um, We have to make sure that the folks that come to the straight version of Club Carly don't get to know about Club Carly, so we have to keep very quiet about it. We've had to be a little bit quiet about Club Carly anyway because there's always been the risk of um, homophobic attacks just generally. How did Club Carly even come about? In 1988, I got involved with the first ever South Asian lesbian and gay network, which was called Shakti. Um, Shakti was created by a guy called Shivananda Khan and Shakti was absolutely revolutionary when he created that. Um, For me, as someone who'd come out in 1985, um, I was going out uh, on the the lesbian and gay scene almost every, every night of the week. You know, Monday's drill hall, the going to the drill hall off Tottenham Court Road, Tuesday's the Fallen Angel uh, in Islington, Wednesday's the Bell in King's Cross, which is now the big chill house. Um, Thursdays, I can't remember what I did, maybe I stayed in. (laughs) And on Fridays, there was rackets uh, at the Pied Bull in Islington, Saturdays, the London Lesbian and Gay Centre in Cowcross Street in Farringdon, which is the place that I first started DJing in. Can I just say you now made me feel really boring? (laughs) Well, we just, it just goes to show just how vibrant our scene was back Mm. then in the 80s. There was a lot happening. um, And that was in contrast to um, other things that were going on politically and socially, you know, like the Clause 28 and having to battle against that. Um, Police being outside some of the clubs and venues and waiting to pounce on us as we left those venues. Despite the rife homophobia at the time, there was still a thriving queer scene in London in the 80s. But what inspired Ritu to create a night as unique as Club Carly? I would often find myself to be the only brown person, uh, or, or at least the, certainly the only South Asian, almost everywhere I was going. My circle of friends, who were wonderful, uh, were all white. Um, and I, you know, it didn't really matter to me at that point because I just wanted to be in gay land. You know, it was just about being okay to be who I was as a lesbian, you know. Um, So when Shakti happened in 1988, um, it really was such a breath of fresh air because the first meeting I went to, which was held at London Friend in Caledonian Road, well, I, I was sitting around a table with 25 other 
South Asian, lesbian and gay people. And, and I can't tell you how empowering that was. Must have felt pretty amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Um, and we started to go off for dinners and, you know, go and sit in cafes together. And, and there were things we didn't have to explain to each other, like about the food we were eating, if we'd gone to an Indian restaurant, for example, um, or about any kind of fears we might have about being brown and on the streets, you know, or feeling a little bit, a little bit isolated, even within the lesbian and gay scene itself. Um, so tell me, how did the idea for Club Carly come about? Well, we got into the mid-90s and Shakti, like any group, community group, did that usual thing of forming and norming and storming. And it got to a point whereby I didn't feel so comfortable uh, in the social space of Shakti any longer. Um, and... I could see where there were gaps. I could see what was missing from how Shakti had evolved. So I was determined to create something that filled those gaps and that felt safer, that was more hospitable and more welcoming for everybody who came through the door. Um, and for me as a DJ, it was a vehicle for me to be able to play that East-West mix, which felt completely natural for me as a British-born Indian. And what was quite crucial was also ensuring that, as far as we could, that, that people felt safe being there, that they could be there on their own terms, they could dress how they wanted to. Um, this is one of the reasons why we were completely open to um, the Chutney Queens or our version of the drag, of drag queens. Um, Whereas some clubs that opened after us within the Gaijin scene as it developed were quite anti-drag, anti-trans, anything. Um, and our approach was completely different to that. How do you go about making sure you've got that atmosphere of feeling at home when you're in a big club environment and each night depends on what kind of crowd just turns up at the door? It, I think it starts right there on the door. That's where you set the tone. I mean, we had Club Carly only last week on Friday because it's once a month now. It's on the first Friday of every month. And I had a number of people at the door who uh, who were actually quite uncomfortable. You know, there was one guy, he was, he, he'd was never been there before. So I made a point of introducing him to people in the club that I knew were friendly, that would, you know, make him feel like, he was part of something he'd have someone to talk to and wouldn't be sitting like a lemon in the corner the thing is um with south asian uh people we experience um a great degree of uh, racism in the street in society uh regardless of our sexuality so that's there anyway and we've actually noticed a sharp increase in that um I think especially since 9-11, more so since 7-7, the 7-7 bombings in London. And, of course, it's been renewed again since the referendum vote for Brexit. So it's vitally important that we have Club Carly there, um, again, as a safe and secure space for people. Now, again, these queer South Asians are out and about on the general 
lesbian and gay, etc., clubbing scene, and they still experience a level of racism there too. Mm-hmm. It's not just in the street, it's also in clubs, uh, it's in gay spaces. Considering that, you know, we kind of have less queer spaces these days and it sounds like in the great days of the 80s, although despite all the homophobia going on at the time, um, do you think it's important for people to be engaged in creating their own queer events? I think there's so much room for so much more. I think there's a lot of us that very much miss um, places like First Out Cafe, which used to be off Tottenham Court Road, the old London Lesbian and Gay Centre, which, you know, uh, closed down in Farringdon back in 1992. We very much need these spaces so that we can, you know, just, I suppose, normalise um, and um, the element of homophobia is not going to rear, potentially rear its ugly head. Oh, it was really nice hearing about First Out again. I've actually graduated now, but when I studied at the University of Westminster, that's where we would hold LGBT society meetings. It was one of the tragic losses in the new tube line, Crossrail. It closed lots of small businesses across the city. But what I'm hearing so far in Amy's storytelling is giving me hope that when queer spaces close down, another one pops up somewhere else. And after the break, we're going to hear more about that. Plus, Amy finds out how you can help queer spaces thrive or even set up your own. Thanks for listening to Hashtag Queer AF. We make this show to keep the pride of conversation that is National Student Pride alive all year round. But just like queer spaces everywhere, we need your help to spread the Hashtag Queer AF agenda. And that's why we're giving away two free tickets to Batty Mama in London on the 27th of April for our favourite review left on iTunes. You're going to hear straight after the break why it's amazing news that we're giving you tickets. And all we're asking that you do in return is rate and review us on iTunes because that's the absolutely best way to help the show get in front of more eyes and ears. So for free tickets to one of the best and up-and-coming queer nightlife events around, get rating. Head to Apple Podcasts. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Welcome back. This is Hashtag Queer AF. I'm Jamie Worm. This week, the queer journalist Amy Ashenden is talking to DJs, creatives and activists who are shaping and reviving queer nightlife across the UK. And now, Amy's going to find out how you can set your own queer event up. Three friends, Hakeem Kazim, Anna Josephine Budge and Azana Shabazz, are shaking up the queer scene with their new club night, Batty Mama. Taking place across London, Batty Mama is a mix of live performances and art exhibitions, all within a club night, aimed at and founded by black queer creatives. I went down to Camden Roundhouse to catch up with Batty Mama founders, Hakeem and Amma, to find out more about their amazing project. Oh, hi. <laughs> hi. Um, so I'm Amma. Uh, I'm Ross Hakeem, um, and we run a club night called Batty Mama. Yeah. Um, it's like a quarterly black queer uh, performance art, performance art and mixed media club night. So we sort of celebrate black LGBT performers, uh, filmmakers, films, uh, anything that centres black queer lives and creativity. We really aim to create a kind of immersive performance experience, so you can go and listen to music and dance, but you can also watch performance or film or chill out or talk, and it's uh, supposed to be an introvert as well as extrovert centred space, <laughs> which is great because um, we're very introvert and extrovert, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> From Afrofuturism to a white party, every night they put on has a different theme, and the Batty Mama team always makes sure the person of colour hired to help design the theme is paid fairly. They also pride themselves on being fully sex and body positive. I mean, I think one of my favourite things about the night has been people coming up, coming, coming in in their full-on leathers and just being <laughs> like, you are amazing, and them saying, I would never wear this out anywhere else. Yeah, yeah so generally it is quite nice just to have a space to hang out. And I think it's important to know that you are going to somewhere that is for you, by people who understand you and by people who appreciate you as a person, and yeah. Batty Mama certainly sounds like it has a lot going on, but how hard was it to practically set up the event? Uh, the first year was, I don't know, a little bit easier than I thought it was going to be, uh, but as far as when you look back, it's probably, it was super hard, but I just forgot, <laughs> I forgot how it was. <laughs> kind of, you sort of, yeah, I don't know. I was going to compare it to childbirth, childbirth, but I'm not sure. I was just about to say that. <laughs> 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 yeah, baby, you just end up with the baby. You're like, yeah, yeah. oh, look at the baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you forget all the pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I assumed it was, but yeah. I can't remember. Um, it's a different kind of animal, I think, when you're trying to create a safer space. Mm -hmm. And that's been something we've been really, really learning from. And I, um, we've been really championing our batty body system, which is having um, volunteers on the night who are there for kind of hugs and support and trying to like spread out so you, as many people as possible to support you if something happens. Mm -hmm. And also, Hakeem particularly has been phenomenal in championing accessibility and um, 
we also really wanted to move from Dawson Super because it's not an accessible venue and that was really important for us but then also like having um, BSL signers at our events has been I think quite groundbreaking I've never been to a club night that does that mm. a lot of people have said that they only came because they it was advertised that there was going to be um, BSL signers there and we're working on how to how what accessibility means yeah. in across the board what would your tips be for someone looking to set up their own queer night I think I always thought that it was only the super popular people who could run nights and like you really can just you have a bunch of friends and you want to do something and you can just do something and then build on it from there like you were saying you know you can be introvert or extrovert and you can exactly. still run your own club night right? exactly <laughs> yeah and it's also really important that it, it's not a night that, that, that relies on you being somebody who does any substances as well mm-hmm. um, so it's really important like a lot of people come who are, who are teetotal or who are in NA or who just don't drink or don't do, just don't choose to for whatever reason I, I really want to move away from a culture where in order to go out you have to get shit faced and that's the only way to like have a good time because it's really it's really inaccessible for a lot of people who don't want to do that Another key issue when it comes to nightlife and the alcohol and drugs that surround it is well-being A queer couple from York Jess and Ellie have created their own night centred around mental health to allow people to freely express any struggles they might be going through. Hey! Hi, how are you guys? Good, thanks. So I wondered if you could tell me a little bit about the night you run, basically. So, um, Queer Space is like a mental health-themed performance night because we sort of recognised a need in York for more, like, safe and supportive queer spaces because at the moment there's... Not a lot. Ellie and I have been harassed in a so-called, like, LGBT-friendly bar, so it's not, like, the easiest of cities to go out in as a queer person. And we we had the idea because we watched... um, It was a documentary on BBC Three. It was um, Growing Up Gay with Ollie Alexander, and he did something similar in London, and I was like, why don't we do this? Ellie and Jess were inspired by a BBC documentary on mental health called Growing Up Gay. In fact, the documentary Growing Up Gay by BBC Three was being filmed in the build-up to National Student Pride 2. And when Ollie Alexander came by for a chat on our sex and education panel, he was building up to the very scene we're about to play you. His documentary was all about mental health, but he also concluded it by just like us, calling for more to be done for sex and education to be more LGBT plus inclusive. And NSP went along to his mental health pageant at the glory. And we can assure you that the honesty box, poetry and drag performances all talking about mental health were liberating. So I'm in London, I'm in East London, and tonight we are putting on a mental health themed night at the glory, um, which is a local gay bar. And we're gonna have performances. And yeah, I think it's gonna be really, really fun. I'm really excited. I'm putting on the night with East End drag royalty, Johnny Wu. Hi, Johnny. Hello, how are you? <laughs> oh my God, this is amazing. I know, this is my honesty box. Oh, God, let me look at this. <laughs> do you it's like beautiful. it? beautiful. Did you do it yourself? Yeah. I'm just going to set up here, then. I made this honesty box to allow people to post their true fears and anxieties. It's clear none of us are talking enough about mental health, and I want this event to encourage people to share. Some will do this through performances, and I hope for others, my box will be a start. Jess and Ellie loved all of the concepts from Ollie's documentary, so they put their very own mental health pageant on in York. 
last time, yeah, we had like lots of spoken words about mental health stuff. We had um, someone read out a personal essay about like coming out and HIV and that kind of thing. We also had like a, a big post box where people could write anything they wanted, like uh, anonymously, like their secrets, um, coming out stuff, stuff about being queer, stuff about their mental health, anything they wanted and just put it into the post box. That's such a great idea. Jess and Ellie put together a committee of trans and non-binary folk that they already knew from a support group to help them make decisions. The committee took charge of various things, like we had someone in charge of the crafts that we were selling, someone in charge of, like, the decorations. Yeah. Um, And then we all took votes on, like, larger things, like which charities we were going to fundraise for. Was it easier or harder than you expected? I found it harder than expected. Like yeah. just before the event, I was say I remember saying to Ellie, "We are never doing this again." <laughs> but but then at the end, I was like, "We are so doing this again." <laughs> um, um, did you face any kind of challenges in organising the night? Like, for example, you said you, there weren't any specific LGBT places, so were you kind of like worried about bouncers being homophobic? Were you worried about like disabled access or anything like that? Disabled access in York is so difficult because um, a lot of the buildings are, like, listed and um, so a lot of spaces are upstairs, especially bars that um, the kind of more independent bars that would be comfortable um, with having an LGBT event because a lot of the, like, larger clubs and bars on, like, pride nights and stuff, the bouncers are really homophobic. We wanted to kind of allow people to express themselves. What was the reaction to the night out? Amazing. Yeah, we got feedback from someone saying that their friend had, like, come out um, and started using, like, different pronouns following the night and stuff. Wow, so it was a really empowering night then. Definitely. The thing that was most powerful for me is that, um, like... Because of the lack of queer scene in York, I did go through a phase of being like, I need to move to a bigger city. Um, but that can't really happen for us for like various personal reasons. So like, it's been really powerful for me to like be able to say, well, there's not a lot of a queer scene in York, so let's just create one. So I would encourage anyone who feels like marginalised in their own city to like try and get some people together and create your own scene if you're able. So, it just goes to show how transformative it can be to have inclusive queer spaces where you're free to be yourself. And if the current queer scene near you doesn't reflect you, or feel inclusive enough, there are ways to change it. Thank you to all our guests on this week's episode, and hopefully they inspire you to put on your own queer event. Remember, it could be a night for introverts or extroverts, and small towns need queer events just as much as big cities. That's it for this week's Hashtag Queer AF, but there's always time for a quick roll call of credits. This week's show gives a massive thanks to Amy Ashington. Remember to go back and listen to our episode on her documentary, The Queer Muslim Sex Worker. And then go listen to the full documentary she made. It's amazing. You'll find all of the links in the show notes and on our social media at Student Pride. Presented by me, Jamie Wareham, production and reporting this week comes from Amy Ashington. And remember... We're giving away two free tickets to that amazing club night that you were hearing about, Batty Mama, in London on the 27th of April. All you have to do is review our show on iTunes. Out of all the reviews left after this episode, we're going to pick our favourite and give you two free tickets. 
So go to Apple Podcasts, whether you use an iPhone or not, and type in a rating and review. It's an awesome night, and you could be going for free, thanks to us and the team at Batting Mama. So spread the hashtag QueerAFAgenda, because we're queer as fuck, and so are you. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.